Jolea Garza, and I am the executive director of ministry here at Anchor Bend. And um, I shared a little bit about my story the last time that I was up here uh, speaking to you guys. And so just to kind of overview, recap um, a couple of the things that I shared, I, I told you guys last time that I came here to, at, to Anchor Bend eight years ago. Eight years ago, I was 18 years old. So for all my mathematicians, you guys can figure out how old I am. I'm not going to actually say it. Um, but this year, I also came on full-time here at Anchor Bend. So now I'm on full-time staff. And it has just been such an honor and a privilege to, to serve here um, full-time here at Anchor Bend. I also shared that I am married to the love of my life, Gilbert Garza, right down here. He is so amazing. Um, and super patient with me. And then I have three kiddos. We have three kiddos together, six, nine, and 14. And um, so it's just been such a special time in our lives. And I shared all of that with you. But one thing I didn't share with you guys the last time is that we actually have a sixth family member, and that is our dog, Millie Nova Garza. Um, and I say her full name because she is full of personality. Um, but I love Millie, and I, I love mentioning her because the funny thing about Anchor Bend is that for or five of the families here that attend this church actually all adopted dogs from her same litter. So we all have this, this family of dogs together. Come on, Melanie has, has Arlo, and there's just a bunch of uh, dogs. And so it's just so funny. But I just thought about that because it's just, we do community deep here at Anchor Bend. Like the church that adopts dogs together stays together. And so I just love that we all adopted dogs together. But it just reminded me because today is small group Sunday. Come on. How many of you guys are excited? excited about small group Sunday. Um, we have so many groups launching, and I just wanted to take a minute to encourage you to be a part of a small group this semester. I, we spent the last year isolated and alone, and I really feel like the enemy just kind of used that to tell people that you don't need anybody. But I want to tell you this morning that we need people, and we need each other. So get connected in a small group. And so you probably saw it as you were walking in this morning. There are signs and flyers and, and information about small groups. So be sure to jump in and get and be a part of a small group. It's going to be so, so great. Um, and, and maybe you're, you visit the website and you're going through the small groups and you're like, I don't see anything that is really for me. That may be your sign from God to host a small group this semester. <laughs> so you may want to jump in and host a small group. But whatever you do, however you get involved, please jump in. Please get connected because we need community and we need each other. Amen. And man, I also wanted to just celebrate last week. Last week was Next Gen Sunday. How many people thought it was just so much fun? Next Gen just has my heart. And so um, I did want to celebrate some of the things that happened. Last week, we dedicated 20 babies. 20 babies got dedicated last week. And I thought that was super cool. All the COVID babies were making their debut into the world and being submitted back to Jesus. And so I thought that was awesome. Um, we honored 12 graduates. So congratulations to all of our graduates out there. Such a big deal. We baptized 11 people. That is 11 people. Come on. Yes, you can give it up for that. Because that's 11 people that went public with their relationship with Jesus, and it's such a big deal. If you're thinking about getting baptized, it happens um, usually on the fourth Sunday of every single month, um, and so be sure to jump in and get baptized. Um, and then we also had our young communicators. How many of you guys enjoyed our young communicators? It was so, so cool, but I thought the coolest thing about this Young Communicators crew was the fact that they were 
four out of five of them were also on our worship team. So they came up on Sunday morning and they ushered in the presence of God and they led us in worship. And then they got off stage and they got right back on stage and gave a powerful word. And it was like, my goodness, I was just praying for them that God would give them the best Sunday nap that they have ever had after that Sunday because they definitely deserved it. But wasn't it just so powerful to hear them come up and share their hearts? Yeah. So I am just so fired up. I feel like there is some electricity here. I feel like God is really moving. And so I can't wait just to see what more there is to come. And excited to just share with you guys this morning. Three weeks ago, I kicked off a focus on our next generation. And so today I get to wrap that up with you today and, and just share what's, what God has really placed on my heart. And so I want to go into Deuteronomy chapter 3, verses 27 through 28. And so to give you a little bit of backstory, we are picking up in the middle of, of the story of Moses. And so we have all probably heard a piece of Moses' story. He actually has a lot of time in, in the Old Testament. And so um, as you read about him, you learn a few things about him. The first is that Moses was called out of the wilderness by God to go and free the Egyptians. I always hear, let my people go. Um, and so I, we think about that. And so um, he, was, he was freed and he goes and, and helps, the Egyptian, or helps the Israelites be freed from the Egyptians. He faced Pharaoh and really stood up boldly for his nation. He parted the Red Sea, which was a miracle in itself to help the Israelites escape from Egypt. And then he even led them through the wilderness and received the Ten Commandments that, that we still reference today. So Moses did a lot of amazing things. But the point of Moses' story up until this point was really to lead the nation into the promised land, which was the land that God had promised the Israelites. And so he is, he's doing everything and, and accomplishing all these things with the thought that he will also enter into this promised land. Until, everybody say until, God tells Moses that he will not be allowed to enter into the promised land. Instead, God has plans for another person to step up and to complete this, this journey with the Israelites. And so we're going to pick up and read in Deuteronomy chapter 3, verses 27 through 28. And God is speaking to Moses and he says, Go up to the top of Mount Pishkah and look west and north and south and east. Look at the land with your own eyes, since you are not going to cross this Jordan. But commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he will lead this people across and will cause them to inherit the land that you will see. Why don't we pray here this morning? Father God, we just welcome you into this place. God, I ask that you just use me as a vessel this morning, God, to speak what you would have spoken to your people. I ask that you are doing something new, God, something fresh here this morning. I ask that none of us leave the same way we walked in. Do something new here in this place, in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Well, as I was preparing for this Sunday, I really felt a lot of pressure. Has anybody ever felt some pressure to do something? Because the last time that I shared with you, uh, my message ended up coming off a lot funnier than I had planned it to. And so now I was like, oh my gosh, like they're going to expect me to be just as funny this time. And so I was stressing out. Like I was writing all of these jokes and trying to come up with all of these funny things to say. And it was just, it wasn't good. And so God was like talking to me and I'm like, God, please give me some jokes, just divine jokes, just plant them right here in my heart. And he was like, no, he was like, Jalea, remove the pressure, 
remove the pressure. He's like, I want you to just be real this morning. So can I be real with you guys this morning? All right. Because when, we shared, when I shared with you three weeks ago, I spoke about the fact that children are a gift from God to every single one of them. And I talked about how God designs destiny on the inside of every single child before they are born. And then a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Jim came and gave a powerful word about teenagers and how each and every one of them carries the spirit of David, a warrior spirit, on the inside of them. And so this morning, I felt like God really wanted me to spend just a few minutes talking about the how. Can everybody say how? If God designs destiny and has placed the spirit of a warrior on the inside of each and every one of us, how can we help them access what is already on the inside of them? And as I was studying and preparing, God kept bringing me back to these moments in my life as a child, as a teenager that I didn't realize had impacted my destiny. And I I really felt led to share those here with you this morning. And so the first one that I wanted to share that God brought me to happened in my early childhood. Um, Growing up and, and still now today, my family really values education. In fact, my mom, who helps lead our online uh, team, can you guys say, what's up, mom? She's probably on there on YouTube and Facebook and all of that. She actually got a Facebook for church. She would not get a Facebook for me, but she got a Facebook for church. Um, so such a big deal. But my mom is a college professor, and so she has her doctorate from the Texas A&M in high education. Come on, I heard it. Yeah. Yeah, you can always spot an Aggie. They're really loud. Um, And then my dad is a lawyer. And then I have an aunt as well that is a lawyer. And growing up, the mantra in my family was God, family, education. I was like, okay, that's a good mantra. We love God. We love our family. And we're going to pursue a great education. And so I really grabbed a hold of that as a child. Um, In first and second grade, I had this big dream of becoming a pediatrician. I was going to be a doctor. And so I really grabbed a hold of that dream and did so many things to try to accomplish that dream in first and second grade. But that was before I knew that I hate everything, blood, guts, and vomit. But, But before I knew that, I was really working hard for this goal. And so I would go to the library, to the places where none of the other kids were going, and I would check out books about the human anatomy and about the, bio, about the body, and I was just studying and, and really learning, and I had uh, posters of which colleges I wanted to go through all placed on my walls in my room, and so I just had big dreams, big aspirations, and so my parents saw that, and they wanted to support me in that, and so they thought that the best thing they could do in this season was get me tested for a program called the Gifted and Talented Program. And so being the high achiever that I was, I was like, absolutely, get me in that program because that is really where I belong. And so I still remember taking those tests. I, would, I remember the moment where they were like, create a picture out of some cut out triangles. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to make a picture. And still to this day, I think it is the most creative thing anybody in the world has ever done. Like I worked so hard on that picture. And I remember thinking like, there is no way that this is not going to get me in. I am the most gifted and talented talented person there is. But then, year after year, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, I did not get accepted into that program. 
And I thought, oh, you know, that's okay. And I just worked really hard. You know, I still had big goals. And so by sixth grade, I was put in advanced placement classes. And I actually graduated from Lamar Consolidated High School. Uh, yes, come on, my Lamar people. Second in my class. Um, and so it was like I accomplished a lot. I, I got accepted into all of these, these great colleges. I was accepted into NYU. I was accepted into A&M, Northwestern. Um, and so I had done so much without being a part of that program. And so I thought I was good. I'm like, I'm good. But then God, me, God brought me back to those moments. You see, he brought me back to those moments as a seven, eight, nine-year-old little girl. And he began to show me something that had been planted in my mind at that age. In those moments of rejection, the enemy had used that as an opportunity to tell me a couple of things. He told me, Jolea, you are not gifted, you are not talented, you are not special, you are so, so normal. And you're going to have to work twice as hard for anything that you ever want to accomplish in your life. The enemy used something so innocent and something that should have been so positive to plant a deep lie inside of me, a deep lie that I had no idea existed until 17, 18 years later. And yet I had lived my whole life believing that lie. I was striving striving, working so hard because I believed that there was nothing on the inside of me that could help me succeed. It all had to be what I could produce and what I could put out. He planted that, in, that lie so, so deeply inside of me so early on in my childhood that every time I heard that verse, you were fearfully and wonderfully made, I was like, yeah, that's great for everybody else. It's not for me. There is nothing special about me. And so I began to wonder as I uncovered this, how many lies has the enemy told our teenagers and our children about who they are and about who they have been called to be? In 1 Peter 5.8, it says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But I don't think the enemy is trying to take us out physically I think the enemy is targeting our identity because you know what? Our identity is where the destiny is hidden. And so he is taking shots after shots at our identity from the moment that we can process thoughts. He's taking shots every time we see an unrealistic social media post, every time we watch that TV show. He's taking shots with every bad test result, with every failure. He's taking shots with every intentional or unintentional rejection from mom and dad and leader and teacher. He is taking shots at our identity. And so I hope the last few weeks have inspired you. I hope that you walked away a few weeks ago saying, yes, children are a gift from God. I love that. I hope that you walked away from Pastor Jim's message saying that teenagers are warriors. And I hope that you walked away last week thinking that our next gen is so powerful. But let me tell you this, the enemy doesn't care what we amen. He cares what we apply. And so this morning, yes. So this morning, we need to take everything that we have learned and shift it from, from head knowledge to heart knowledge so that we can actually impact this next generation. This morning, I want to talk about defending destiny. Defending destiny. Because I love the story of Moses and Joshua 
Although Moses did all of these incredible things, he also understood that a big part of his calling was going to be helping Joshua accomplish all that he was called to do as well. And so we have to understand that it is our job here in this church to help prepare our next generation for all that they are called to do. So I just want to share three ways on how we can do that here this morning. The first thing that we have to do is we have to get a vision for our next generation. We have to get a vision for our next generation. Moses had vision for Joshua's future. In verse 27, God takes Moses up to the top of the mountain and he shows Moses the promised land and gives Moses a picture of where Joshua is going. And Moses could see clearly what God's plan was for Joshua. But maybe you're here this morning asking, how could I have vision for a next generation when I don't even have vision for myself? You know, I was listening to a podcast, and it's actually a podcast by your pastor, Pastor Jim, and his twin brother, Steve. They just launched out their new podcast called Moving Your Life Forward. Come on, can we just give it up for them? Yes. I always say, like, I am my pastor's biggest hype man. I will shamelessly plug his podcast. So you better go listen and subscribe to that podcast this week because they really do have some really powerful nuggets in there. And so I was listening to it, and and in one of the episodes, they talked about something called borrowed vision. Borrowed vision. And basically what borrowed vision is, is you are living off of someone else's vision for something. So to me, that's just like if you're in an organization, you're typically not going to be, the head honcho, the people at the top are usually the ones that have big vision for where the company is going and what the company is doing. And so it's our job as people a part of the company, as people a part of the organization to simply help play a role in fulfilling that vision. So that's a borrowed vision. And for some of you, you may be thinking, well, that's great because I can definitely jump in and be a part of somebody else's vision that brings you comfort. But then for others of you, I wonder if that phrase drives you crazy. All my entrepreneurs in the house, you're like, absolutely not. Like, I have my own vision for myself and for my kids and probably for all of you in here as well. Like, I got plenty of vision. But we need to know this, that when it comes to the next, of, next generation, all of us are living off of borrowed vision. Because we are living off of God's vision for what he wants for our children. Remember that every child is his before they are ours. So when God takes Moses up to the mountain and and shows him the promised land, he already has in mind what he will do next with Joshua. All Moses had to do was grab a hold of that vision that God had already planted. But I think what helped Moses grab a hold of God's vision so quickly was because Moses already knew who Joshua was. You see, Moses had watched him and mentored him and spent time with him. He had really gotten to know who Joshua was as a person, and he knew that Joshua was a great warrior. So when God says, hey, this is what Joshua's task was, Moses is like, I got that. That makes sense. I know how Joshua is, and I know who he is, and so this makes sense. But I wonder if we struggle to capture the vision of our next generation because we haven't spent enough time knowing who they are. 
You know, a few weeks ago, I was cleaning my kitchen, and in our house, we, we allow the boys to drink from some juice boxes, and so if, if you know about juice boxes, they have that little plastic wrapper where the straw goes in, and so the, the funny thing about those plastic wrappers is that they, for some reason, never make it to the trash can. They always end up on my table or on my floor, and it is a problem, and so I was getting really frustrated, I'm cleaning up the kitchen, and I'm like, oh my gosh, if I see one more of these plastic wrappers, I'm going to lose it, so I call the boys downstairs. I'm like, boys, please pick up the plastic wrappers. And so they're looking around, and they're looking on the table, and they're looking on the floor, and mamas, you probably know what comes next. Because then they looked at me, and they said, I don't see anything. So... I tried to be really patient, and I gave them a little bit more time to, to look for the plastic wrappers. But the problem is that when God made me, he forgot to put patience in my fruit of the spirit basket. And so he sent me off into this world without any patience. And so it wasn't long before I was like, listen, look me in the eyes and then look on the table. <laughs> look me in the eyes and then look on the floor. The wrappers are right there. Pick them up and put them in the trash can like they're right there. I was so frustrated. How could they not see them? But I wonder if that's a picture of how God is talking to us. If we would just go and look at this next generation, we would be able to see who God has called them to be. That is why. That's why we have to go to youth night. That's why we have to serve in kids. And while we're there, we don't just serve to get the job done, but we are actually connecting with them and looking them in the eyes and asking them about who they are and, and how their week was and, and what they're feeling and really listening to what they have to say, to what they have to say. I was thinking about this story with, with Chandler. We, we do table talk at home. So for any of my parents, I, I love doing table talk. And, and what we do is during dinner, we sit around and we just ask each other questions. And it's, it's super fun. And so we will ask the kids, you know, would you rather have seafood or Mexican food for the rest of your life? Would you, would you if you had, a, had three wishes, you know, what would you wish for? And, and we just ask them all kinds of questions. And, and now they're to the point where they want to ask all the questions and they want to, to share all these things. But the funny thing is, as we began to do do this, we heard and, and learned a lot about our kids that we were not expecting. So for example, Chandler, who is six, used to tell us about the good old days in daycare, which he acted like it was a throwback and it was literally like two years ago. And he was like, when I was in daycare, all the girls wanted to sit at my snack table. And I was like, unacceptable. We're not doing that. And so the funny thing was, I was like, okay, thank God. Like, thank God, because he's, he's homeschooled this year. And so we got a year. I was like, I got a year to plan. Because I'm really excited to send them back to real school. But I promise you this now, that when they go back to school, I will also be at the school. I will be in PTA. I will be volunteering. I will be reading to the class. And I will be looking at every girl in background, checking them as soon as they walk into the door. Like, what's your credit score? I know you're in first grade, but what's your credit like? But what gets me so excited about table talk is the fact that our kids are talking to us. They're sharing. All we had to do was ask them. All we had to do was ask. And so I want to challenge you this morning. What youth or child are you talking to? Who are you engaging with? Who are you learning about? 
I don't think we're ever going to know God's full plan for the destiny of every child. But when we begin to engage with them and know them well, God begins to give us glimpses, just like he gave Moses, about who they are and who they are called to be. And once we begin to understand who they're called to be, the next thing that we have to do is we have to encourage our next generation. We have to encourage our next generation. You see, Moses spoke life over Joshua. In Deuteronomy 31, 7 through 8, Moses is preparing the Israelites for this next journey into the promised land, and he's preparing Joshua to lead them. And so if you go to verse 7, it says, Then Moses called for Joshua, and as all of Israel watched, he said to him, Be strong and courageous, for you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors and he w- that he would give to them. You are the one who will divide it among them as their grants of land. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will never fail you nor abandon you. You see, once Moses knew what Joshua was called to do, he also knew how to encourage him. But I wonder if we have any trouble encouraging today. I believe that it's almost become countercultural for us to speak life over people. We have been conditioned to criticize others. As I was thinking about it this week, I was thinking about how, and I went all the way back to Simon Cowell and the American Idol. You guys remember Simon? Like he used to rip into people, and I was six years old. I was like, yes, Simon, tell them how bad they are. Yes, and it was so great. We're conditioned to criticize people, and it kept going as we got older. How many of us only tune in on the news when when disaster strikes? I wonder how many of us scroll on social media and just judge people all day. You don't have to raise your hand if you do that, but I think we've all done it at least one time. We go somewhere, and we have one bad experience, and where do we head? Straight to Yelp. Straight to Google reviews. I was reading some reviews recently, and people were just sharing their reviews about a local movie theater. And I was, I was reading them. I was like, my goodness, like, there's there nothing positive to say? And they were saying things like, the pizza was too cold. The cheese was weird. They said there were too many lanes in the bowling alley. The lights were too dark. I was like, it's a movie theater. The lights are supposed to be dark, like I don't understand <laughs> what the complaint is. And yet it's so normal. Like that's what we do. We, we have learned to complain about everything. And unfortunately, I think that that has also transitioned into how we talk about our children and about our next generation. How many of you guys have ever heard, I don't know about this Gen Z. And before it was, I don't know about the millennials. I was like, we did okay. But now it's like, I don't know about this Gen Z. I don't know, they're always on their social media. Maybe it's on an individual kid. I don't know. He talks so much. He's, he's such a bad kid. How many times have we spoken death instead of life over our kids? Because I, I think it's become so normal to say negative things, but just because it's normal does not mean it's okay. We are called to speak life over our children. In Ephesians 4.29, it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that they may benefit those who listen. You see, we are called to speak life over this next generation, to encourage them, to call out the potential that God has placed on the inside of them. When Joshua was told that he was going to be the one to lead a nation into the promised land, I wonder how he felt. I wonder what was going on in his mind. I bet you he was thinking, how could I ever do this? 
He's like, I'm a great warrior, but I'm no Moses. And I wonder if that's why Moses had to keep encouraging, had to keep telling him, be strong, Joshua. Be courageous, Joshua. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I wonder if Joshua was dealing with a little bit of fear. And at that time, he didn't know how to speak life over himself. And so it reminded me of a second moment in my life that I wanted to share here with you guys this morning. And so as you can tell, when I was young, I really grew up a pretty ambitious kid. I worked really hard in high school. But, you know, as I got older, after I graduated high school and, and got a little bit older, I, I did run into some struggles. You see, in my teenage years, my family walked through some tough times. And just like I told you, the enemy had already taken a shot at my identity. He began in those seasons to take some shots at my self-esteem, my self worth and, and really just began to, to build some insecurity on the inside of me. And so as a young girl, I was searching and I was looking for something that would validate who I was. So that at the age of 19, I was pregnant and unmarried. And then I thought that being the Christian girl I am, I should probably get married. So I got married, but that didn't fix it. And so then I got divorced. I was 22 years old, 22 years old, and I was looking back over the last three years of my life and seeing that I had gone from being so successful, graduating at the top of my class and accomplishing all these things and being accepted into all of these colleges to being a single mom back at home with nothing to show for it. I had lived a life full of potential, and then in the, in the series of moments, I had fallen into deep, deep shame. I don't know if any of you have ever been in that place, that place where you're in deep shame. Like you don't know, <laughs> you don't know what else to do in that moment. I remember coming here, I would still come to church, and I would sit all the way in the back. I was like, I don't want to see anybody. Nobody wants to see me. I was in deep shame. And the shame was so deep that I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see anymore how God could use me. How could he possibly use me? After all of the mistakes that I had made, I had disappointed him. I had disappointed my family. I had messed up. And so I remember those days because I had completely given up on myself. At that point, you know, all I was trying to do was just be the best mom I could be, the best provider, because I didn't think that God would call me to do anything else. And then, you know, in those moments, the thing that I remember the most was that when I couldn't see for myself, I still had family members and people that could see things for me. I had my mama who would just continue to encourage me even when I couldn't see it. She, she would always just tell me, just get back up. Just keep going. If you could just make it one more day, just keep going. She was my biggest support system. I also remember the moments that I didn't just have my mom, but I also had my church. All of those moments where Pastor Jim and Pastor Phyllis, Steve and Stephanie just kept encouraging me. They would always just tell me, and I couldn't see it. They would say, I'm so confident in you. They would say, I believe in you. I would always hear them saying, they would remind me of, of the purpose that God has called and created me for. Even when I couldn't see it, I had a tribe of people that kept seeing that vision and kept speaking it over my life. And parents, that's why I just want you to know that it's so important to not just do this in your home, but you got to have your kids here in church. 
They have to be in this house so they can be surrounded by people who love them and who encourage them. Moses was not Joshua's father. He brought him along the journey and he encouraged them the entire way. I was listening to a message by T.D. Jakes. He recently wrote a book called Don't Drop the Mic. And in one of his interviews, he said, most people who have greatness inside of them are the last to know it. And what that told me was that we have some work to do as a church. I believe that we have been commissioned to reverse every single lie that the enemy has told our next generation. Can we call out the things that they don't see yet? Can we speak life over them and, and talk about what the, we see that are their strengths and not their weaknesses? Can we watch every single word that we say and that we speak over this next generation? Because that is all I had in those hard moments were words. Those are the words that not only helped me come out of that dark place, but also begin to go, grow and, and get help and heal. You need, you need to know that our words can make or break a person's life. They can make or break a person's life. Our words matter. And the last thing that we need to do is we have to release our next generation. Everybody say release. Come on, we are giving them back to Jesus. My favorite part of this story of Moses and Joshua is that in Deuteronomy 31, Moses is encouraging Joshua to be strong and, and courageous. But if we go to Joshua 10, 25, Joshua is now speaking to the people of Israel. In verse 25, it says, and Joshua said to them, do not be afraid. Sounds familiar. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and be courageous. This is what the Lord will do to all of the enemies you are going to fight. You see, the same words spoken to him are the words that he spoke to Israel. Moses had led Joshua. He had raised him up. He encouraged Joshua. And when the time was right, he released Joshua. And I hope we leave here knowing how capable this next generation is to be released in this season. I think about my administrative assistant, Hannah. I don't know if you guys know Hannah, but Hannah is 15 years old. 15. I said she's my administrative assistant. Pastor Jim saw something on the inside of her, and so he just told her to come and help me in the office. And so she helps administrate me, and, and then she also helps with AB Kids. But let me tell you, this girl is running my life. She is running ministry, and then she is helping lead in kids on Sunday mornings at 15 years old. I don't know what I was doing at 15 years old. And then I think about my girls, Ariana and Brianna. Yes. Yes, I have to shout out. There's another Brianna here, too, that I love dearly as well. Um, so she got on me last, last service for not shouting her out. So I love all the Briannas in the church. Um, but I want to talk about Ariana and Brianna because um, I led them when they were in junior high. I think they were 12 years old. Um, come on, look at these girls. So we were in a small group. I was leading a youth small group. And, and during that season, I got to just spend time with them. I would, you know, pray with them and connect with them and, and really support them in that season season. And the fun thing about that is that I always go back and look at those pictures because now they're seniors in high school. They're all grown up and they don't just attend our youth anymore. Those girls are leading our youth now. I think about Brianna a couple of weeks ago, she was on a youth panel and the girl blew me away. She was sharing and just sharing her heart, and she was so authentic, and she had so much wisdom. She's 17 years old. 
And then Ariana, who also hosts and, and helps lead our youth night, she's absolutely incredible. I don't know if you guys know, but she's actually the one who's putting these pictures up on the screen right now, because not only does she help with youth, but she also runs our production back there. Come on, somebody. Yes. They are making a difference. 17, 18 years old, 15 years old. They're so capable. I think about all of the kids when, when we were in COVID, Code Red, and we were down these two hallways. You remember that, Miss Joanne? We're down these two hallways, and we always had some elementary kids that would sneak in because they couldn't come to class, and they would sneak their way in, and we wouldn't kick them out. We put them to work. Yeah. We're like, come on. You want to help us put these crafts together? You're going to help love these babies. You're going to help teach them. We believe that, that our kids are capable right now. At some point, we have to allow our next generation to step up. And that's why I'm so excited about this summer. We have our summer youth internship that is launching out next week. Yes. So good. I'm telling you that our church staff has worked tirelessly on this summer internship because we know that it's going to be a game changer and a life-changing six weeks for our youth. And I'm also excited because I'm launching out a little uh, small group called Little Leaders this summer. And so we're going to take in all of our elementary age kids, first through fifth grade, and we're just going to love on them. We're going to teach them how to worship. We're going to teach them how to read their Bibles, and then we're going to release them to help us lead in our AB Kids department on Sundays. I'm so excited to be able to pour into these children because I think what we have finally realized is that it's the releasing that unlocks destiny. So as a church, we've got some work to do because there are children and youth and young adults in the same places that I was. There are children and youth and young adults that are wrapped up in lies, in shame, in guilt, in inadequacy, we have to do everything we can to pull them out of those places. One of the things I always tell my team is that the enemy does not wait to lie to them. And so that means that we cannot wait to surround them with God's love and to tell them about who they were called and created to be. Yeah.